One, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on episode 33. I always like numbers like that when they double up. Yeah? Yeah, no particular commentary on that. It's just something that, you know, makes my, you know, brain go yay. <laughs> oh, God. All right, segment one, our topic segment. We've actually got... I'm, I'm really excited about today, um, although... It has nothing to do with whether or not I think these topics are actually going to be fun or not. I think this is just going to be a fun podcast for us. Okay. I um, mean, I'm here, a broken man, oh. on this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We have been reading quite a bit. You know, shout out to, uh, what is it, the life and suffering of uh, Sir Equestrian Bronte. Shout out to my fucking vocal cords <laughs> for We've not been... dying on me yet. <laughs> We've been doing a uh, a bit of a... A foray into voice acting, not really. Um, we we're playing through this, uh, I guess, RPG roguelike visual novel. <laughs> if, I think a text-based adventure is the best way of describing it. Yeah, I guess that's probably accurate. Anyway, uh, the game is called The Life and Suffering of Sir Bronte, um, and it's just excellent. Um, it is. Yeah. So we've been playing through it co-op, just taking our character through, and as we record, just... Uh, you know, making, doing the voice acting along with it, making it voices for all the different characters. Uh, it has had an effect on our vocal cords, however. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, so, as I told you before the recording, I'm on my, I think, second packet of um, throat sweets this week, and I'm also drinking milk, and I still sound like someone has been force-feeding me gravel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've been, uh, yeah, <laughs> for for just for an example, um, so that we're not all talking about this in the abstract, there's this old evil grandfather character, which Blue had to stop doing the voice for, and I took over, because we were, we decided to make him sound like Emperor Palpatine. Yes, uh, Bronte, do it. Yeah, and our voices are not high enough to do it, really. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, but we have been having a lot of fun, so, I mean... If you if you like just hearing us talk, uh, go check that video out. Um, that being said, that wasn't the topic that I wanted to open today up with. I'm gonna be a little uh, I don't know how to put this. <laughs> maybe I I don't know. Maybe this is a little too highbrow, but uh, there's this this uh, there's a podcast I was listening to this week, and they were discussing. Um, the idea of like morally loaded language and like thick concepts, if that makes sense. Is this going back to business jargon again? No, no, it isn't. Well, <laughs> sort of, but for a different reason. And I think that listening to this podcast actually kind of crystallized for me why I dislike business jargon because. It's very sanitized. It's very clean. It's very toothless. Whereas, like, good moral language, or when I say good moral language, I mean language that has, like, weight behind it. So, for instance, if I say the word person, that word has only told you one thing, that I am talking about a human. And that's it. Really. But if I say man, you know I'm talking about an adult, you know I'm talking about a human, you know I'm talking about a male. 
they all kind of and there's there's other like moral implications to that like if you say someone is a man that means you know presumably they have some masculine virtues right depending on who you ask yeah depending yeah yeah yeah. but but there what i'm saying is there's more depth to the word regardless of how you interpret the word there's depth to it um and they, they were they were going through like all the ways that this this kind of language is very useful in terms of talking and persuading people and it it made me realize why I dislike corporate jargon so much because it's it's very toothless there's not much depth to it at all it's all mm. surface level and all just vapid a need to know basis yeah I mean you you come in and if you say things like um, I it's like you know one of the the big words that are are used a lot in business is like collaboration it's a very sanitized safe kind of word to talk about working together but one other word that has a little bit more moral undertones which i like a little bit more is camaraderie because that's that's implying some sort of a fellowship behind it um yeah I think if more people knew what camaraderie meant, then I think they would use it in business jargon more. Mm. And it would be diluted. And maybe it's a it's a lack of kind of philosophical education. But that's really that's a that's a very good point. If you if you overuse some of these terms, maybe they do become less meaningful. Yeah, I mean that's why the whole internet is completely immunized to any kind of swear word. It seems it's true. Yeah, we've kind of come full circle to the point where, like, a lot of very heinous swears have just become nothing. Yeah, I mean, if you're out on the street today, just in the middle of broad daylight and someone said the F word, yeah, then that person would get a lot of bad looks and maybe even people going over and telling them off, mm. especially if there are children around. Yeah. Uh, if someone says it online, you don't even bat an eyelid. I mean, honestly, even saying that out in public these days, I mean, you might get some bad looks, but it'd be rare for somebody to actually tell you off for it. But if you did that back in, like, the 70s or maybe the 60s, when, you know, there was a expected to be a little bit more public decorum, yeah, you'd probably get okay, somebody or, punching or you like, in the face. Or, like, the N-word. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, either way, in where I am, you still get told off using the F word for sure, unless yeah. you're like at a pub, and even then you get dissatisfied customers eyeing you. Well, yeah, depend. <laughs> I guess it depends on the context. If you're just chatting with like somebody in in your corner, and it's just like something happens, like oh fuck. Yeah. But um. People don't really get if it. Yeah. It's if it's taken in anger again. It, there's so many ways of saying every word. Yeah, that that well, that's the other thing. There's the that whole loaded intonation behind it. Like, are you saying it in anger? Are you saying it in jest? Um, are you using it as a verb, an adverb? Are you using it as a noun? But yes, every strong word at one point or another becomes watered down to the point where people use it on the daily, and it becomes forgotten. Yeah. What? Well, <clears throat> one of the examples they. So this is the thing I had to write down before the podcast. Um, one of the points they make uh, is that you know there's there's tremendous persuasive power built into these sorts of um, heavier words, right? 
And the, the, so the quote they, they use is actually, and I, this is something I imagine I'll get to because I'm reading through a book right now about the Roman conquest of Greece. And um, Sulla, one of the generals uh, dealing with the Athenian rebellion in Greece, he doesn't, like, he goes in there a bit unprepared and the Athenians actually rout his army. Um, hmm. So his, his men are retreating um, and the battle looks to be lost. But he grabs a, a Roman banner and then shouts at his men. This is the quote. <clears throat> for me, O Romans, an honorable death here. But for you, when men ask you where you betrayed your commander, tell them at Archimenes. And he actually manages to rally two cohorts of his men with that phrase. And they, they end up winning the battle. And... The, the point that they were making on the podcast was that that like that that's a tremendous amount of persuasion because you're turning around a route in military terms is extremely difficult because once men start running in battle the, the fight or flight kicks in and they're they're running yeah it spreads exactly so to be able to turn that around uh, just by essentially shaming them because what, he, what he's done there is essentially say, all right, you cowards, you, you contained within that sentence, he doesn't say any of this, but there is a moral condemnation in that statement. He's saying that he's implying that they're all cowards, that he is an honorable man, and that he is going to die in the battlefield. Um, but you guys can go off and go off, but remember that this shame is going to stay with you for the rest of your life. And that shame is enough to turn them around and bring them back into the fight. Hmm. I feel like you're about to tie this back into business meetings. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wasn't going to, but I can. Go I mean, because you, you can... Well, there, this, this comes back to um, a lecture I remember listening to when I first got out of college and was just getting into <clears throat> like my professional life. They were making a point about corporate slogans, and they were talking about companies that were very, very success at retaining successful at retaining top talent, which at the time meant like you know Apple or um, uh, Facebook or whatever in the, in the tech world at least. Yeah, and they 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 had phrases like you know um, we want to make a dent in the universe, like things things like that, just like. These, these abstract slogans or catchphrases that just add some grandeur to what you're doing. And, like, mm. my company does this, too. And I think every big company does. They find, like, it's almost like a form of nationalism. They, they add a narrative to what you're doing, um, like, to your company. You're, you're not just, you know, pushing papers around or, you know, crunching numbers or whatever or, or writing code. You know, you're you're changing the world. You, you're. Some people don't want to think that way, though, and I say this because of a certain experience I had. Yeah. Um, I was once doing some work for a um, a, a local sewage treatment plant, right? Yeah. And the design I came up with at the time, it was like it depicted. I can't remember the exact details, but it was... I basically did some kind of Saving the Earth style 
yeah. logo. And when the guy came to look at it, he was like, yeah, but we're not saving the Earth, we're just doing it for like the local council kind of thing. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of beside the point. Like, Yeah. You, but You don't want to be like, look, here's our logo, it's got a crap on it, because that's what we deal with on a daily basis. No, you want to be like, we're cleaning up the world, not, you know, sifting through poop. <laughs> look at us. We shovel shit. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, I I am one of those people. Um, and it was for a recruiting campaign, I might add. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, well, in that case, you probably do want to, you know, spice it up. Well, I mean, but then if you if you if you advertise, you're going to be saving the world, and then you come in and you find out you're just shoveling shit. Is that really going to be something that? Well, no, they're they're not actually the ones shoveling shit. They're the ones behind the desks. I I know. I'm just. But I'm, but, yeah. I'm exaggerating for effect, but I I felt the the kind of the same way. Like I'm gonna gonna touch on my own uh, experience now again at work. One of the um, one of the buzzwords that really really annoyed me it was that. I, I prefer like more straight, direct kind of language when people are trying to con convert convey information to me. Uh, but they more often than not at like big corporate <laughs> meetings, what companies tend to do is they tend to really spice things up. So I mean, I've I've worked in the pharmaceutical industry for my you know adult life, and they'll say things like instead of patients treated. You know, or you know, drugs administered or something. Patients treated, I think, is is a fairly direct way to put it. Like the number of people who have actually received your drug. Mm. They won't say that. They'll say like, patient lives changed. Yeah. And I get it. You're trying to be inspirational. You're trying to. I'd say lives saved are more inspirational, to be honest. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, lives changed, lives saved, but it, it conveys the same thing. It's it's adding an extra moral overtone to the whole concept of what you're doing. So it's it's not that you're it's not that you're, you know, I don't know, doing accounting. It's that you're changing lives or saving lives. Or as you know, you would have preferred like a a big ten foot picture of like a nurse beating the crap out of death. <laughs> <laughs> with like a, a fucking sledgehammer. <laughs> Stay back, foul demon. <laughs> Stay back, death. I have warded you off. Mm. I'm going to use that voice in... Um, what, Deckard Cain voice? Yeah. I'm going to use that voice in uh, in more Sir Bronte. Whenever a new character comes in, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that. <laughs> Oh god. Okay, I, I mean, but that's that's really where it's just been on my mind because it was such, like, such a good encapsulation or a good summary of why that sort of sanitized corporate language annoys me because the, yeah. it's just there's nothing to it. It's a potato chip. There's no nutritional value. It tastes good for one second and it's gone. Yeah. I mean that's that's all I'll I'll, I'll say about that. 
Did you, did you have, um, I think you said you had something else. Oh, what, the topic that I was talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 what you were thinking about. I mean, it's a bit less real-worldy than what we were talking about just now, but actually, it does have... It does have some similarities, I suppose, because, oh. um, the topic is about simulation in... Well, I'd say it's the gaming industry, but... I think a lot of simulators out there are not just for games. As games. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the military uses them, so... Well, yes. Um, although the ones specifically we'll be talking about today are primarily games. Yeah. We are talking... Um, yeah, so, I don't know if... <laughs> sorry, I think I interrupted you in the middle of the intro. We are talking about the concept of simulators. Yes. So, farming simulator, where you play as a farmer and you just do farming things. I mean, Microsoft um, Flight Sim. Yeah, you fly planes, and it's meant to be as authentic to real life as possible. Although they never are, because they always have A, terrible graphics, and B, they do tend to still cut out a lot of the finery of whatever it is, task that is happening. Yeah. <laughs> and in flight simulators, and more often than not, some of the physics. Hmm. And as a general rule, I... I'm not a fan of simulation games, but that being said, there are some simulation games I have played to death. Oh yeah. Um, so, as I mentioned just now, probably the most popular one out there is Farming Simulator. I hate that game. <laughs> um, there are so many iterations of it. It's like FIFA, it's the same game every single year. Yeah, what is it um, on now? Is it like Farming Sim 18 or something? Well, it, it does it through years, so it's like Farming Simulator 2021 or something. Ah, okay, okay. Um, and yes, it's just really boring, and I think that they do have some quality of life things, like you can use, if you're inside of a vehicle, you can teleport into another vehicle, save you, like, walking down the road for an hour. <laughs> but the fields... You have to, like, spray them for pesticide, you have to pull up the weeds, you then have to, like, till the soil, then you have to plant the seeds, then you have to nourish the seeds with, like, some spray. So, And each time you do this, you have to get a tractor with a specific wagon, with a specific thing inside that wagon, <laughs> and then just go up and down the field repeatedly until it's done. There is a, um, there was a, uh, a line from Zero Punctuation, um, because I think he was talking about one of these games, uh, at one point. I'm not sure it was necessarily, like, he was, he was reviewing a different game, but he was referencing these simulation games, and I think he referred to them as dad games. He's like, they're those games that your dad would play to remind him of the days when he still had a job. <laughs> And it just... I don't know I mean, if that that's that's a fair characterization, but there are definitely... There's a, a certain satisfaction that can be taken from doing a fairly mundane and routine task, you know, just meticulously, and then getting a fairly mediocre result. Like, just my like... My dad plays Civilization Five. I mean, I don't know why my dad's... 
wanting to re-experience like exploding China or something. <laughs> I, mean, I know. I like. I like. I said. I don't <laughs> think it's exactly a fair characterization. Um, uh, but there, I mean, there's there's plenty of them out there. Um, I trying to think if there's ever been any simulation games that I've really gotten into. I don't think so. So there's obviously that one game that I got really into. Well, yeah. <laughs> gonna say and it that again. is. That is Car Mechanic Simulator 2018. Yeah. I, I have I have no idea. It was, um, it was you and yeah, Scott that were playing the fuck out of it. So yeah. I've played that for 81 hours, and basically, it's a game. Where, going into it, I was very much like, okay, I as a person know nothing about cars. I'm not a motorhead. I don't find cars particularly cool. Um, again, I was more like this is going to be a learning experience. Because whilst, as I said, a lot of things in these games are trivialized or skipped over, there's also a lot of fact in these things. Like, they can't go completely off the rails. Yeah. Uh, and after about the first hour or so of me struggling, I then started to understand it and then I actually enjoyed it a great deal. Um, so basically the idea of the game is you get a call in the game, uh, a car comes into you, it's like really shoddy looking, half the engine is missing, and you have to take the engine out, dismantle it, uh, buy in any new parts that are needed for it, and then put it back together and send it off for money. Mm. And that's the whole game basically. <laughs> But well, okay. I just realized something. Go on. There is a simulation game that I really got into and played an embarrassing amount of. Oh, really? House Flipper. That's true. Well, you didn't play it that much, did you? I mean, I, I, I played like 30 or 40 hours. Oh, shit. Like, it was... It was a surprisingly, like, calm and relaxing game. Like, I just enjoyed just playing it. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a sign that we're just getting old, but, um... Yeah. These, the, it's more the... Not so much the building games, because, like, I kind of consider, like, Farming Simulator a building game, kind of. But the restoration games is, I think, where it's at. Because, like... Uh, oh, what's that, um... Cleaning game? Oh, Visceral Cleanup Visceral Detail. Cleanup detail. Yeah. yeah. It's not doesn't have a simulator in the name, but it's a simulator. You literally just, you're given like three or four rooms in like, I don't know, an ancient Japanese house, for example. There are like samurai swords sticking out of the walls. There's blood and guts everywhere. And you come in as a cleaning crew um, and you just mop up the blood. You pick up the bullet casings. You make it look spotless again. I will say that Viscera Cleanup Detail has probably one of the funniest concepts I think I've ever heard of for a game. Like, yeah. you know all those, like, you know, Doom, Demon Slayer shooters that you're playing? You know, all these horror games that you're playing? Have you ever wondered who comes in after you're done beating the game and cleans everything up? These guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's so... like, you play the janitor that comes in after a very exciting game. <laughs> it's a very weird concept. And if you describe it to anyone... 
they'll just think you're stupid. <laughs> they're like, why the fuck would you want to clean up? Um, but it is incredibly satisfying turning something that looks awful into something beautiful by, like, restoring it. Um, I mean, that kind of describes a lot of simulator games. Like, the elevator pitch would just be awful. But people play them, and they really end up putting long out. I think, doesn't Train Simulator have something like $2,000 worth of DLC? Train Simulator? Do you mean Train Station Restoration? No, no, I mean Train Simulator. I... Sorry, I'm, I'm going to pull this up. Train yeah, Train Simulator. Oh, wait, why am I checking my library? I don't have it. Train um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now. Uh, if I wanted to buy all the DLC for it, it's 300... For the, this is for the 2020 edition. The game itself, um, when it came out, was $50. And then, if you wanted all the DLC for it, that's an additional... Well, they're all discounted right now, but, like, 600 and something dollars. So, for the full game, it would be, like, $650. Like, these things, I think, almost take on, like... You know, people who go into, like, hobbies, like, building model kits and things like that. You can spend a lot of money and also spend a lot of time. And it's not like when you finish you're going to get anything super satisfying out of it, other than the feeling of, like, yes... I've built this cool thing, and it looks awesome. The train simulator reviews I'm looking at are very mixed. Well, that is to say, not good. It's probably There's probably a good chunk of people who just don't. Well, I'm looking at train simulator 2020, and it's got yeah. mostly positive. Oh. On 2021. Oh, okay, maybe the new one doesn't render the maglev in quite the, the way you're supposed to or something. Yeah, I don't really get that. Some, maybe it's just not the kind of simulator that I'm into, I guess. Yeah. I mean, some some of the... Um, th this is actually something I thought of earlier on, and I just forgot to mention it. There's an, a really, really old simulator game. I want to say it was for the original Nintendo. It was just a game where you drive a truck. Yeah, Euro Truck Simulator. No, 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 no. Not, not Euro Truck Simulator. That's the new one. I'm, this was for the original Nintendo, so this is like, you know, 8-bit okay. era. Or maybe it was Super Nintendo. I don't remember. But all you did was drive a truck down an empty stretch of highway between, like, I think it was mm. LA and Las Vegas. And the game took eight hours. Yeah, of I just whole, do know. Like... You 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 would just sit there, driving in a straight line for eight hours. That's it. I I, I vaguely remember because people have like speed run that game. I think, mm. which is a really stupid idea in my opinion. Well, and if Whatever. you if you fuck up, so they they actually did a mod where they made a Halo map of that game. Right. So the the bases were you know like. I think the maximum distance apart that you could do in the uh, the map editor, mm. and so it would it would literally take like a half hour to drive to the other base. <laughs> and so, of course, if you met the enemy team halfway down the road, you guys would have a big fight. And they would get reset, and so they would be back at their base. So if you went there, you now had to fight them, or if you died, you get reset back and have to drive another half hour to go there again. Jeez. Oh God. Um, but yeah, 
that I don't know. These games, they seem so boring, but um, and they're very chill games. I'd never play them with like intense music in the background. No, there. I mean, there's something you you play while you're chatting with your friends, or you're listening to a podcast, or you just you know want to kind of wind down at the end of the the day or the end of the night. Hmm. Um. I mean, for, yeah. they they do that very well. They've found a niche. And good on them for finding that niche, because these games are... They're still getting pumped out, and they're still apparently popular. Still making Germany all that money. Are they all made in Germany? They are mostly made in Germany. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with the Germans? They're the fucking automotive experts. Of course they made it. I, I thought you were going to say they're the automatons. <laughs> automatons. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know why they... Uh, there was another really popular one, Euro Flight Simulator? I mean... That was, like, super popular recently, because you could, like, go all over the world or something. I suppose it's probably not Euro, then. Well, I mean, it might be the same... That's what... I mean, Flight... Microsoft Flight Simulator. They're maybe trying to, you know, kind of inch in on that market. Hmm. But anyway, yeah, I was just wanted to talk about simulators for a bit because yeah, that's such a weird concept, but they kind of work. I mean, and there's simulators are kind of a wide, um, wide ranging thing too, because there's also oh, what was what was that uh, that I was thinking of earlier? Second Life, right? Which got all kinds of weird flack um, because I don't know, I think it's weird, but basically. It is what it sounds like. You're supposed to, like, you make a character in there, and you have a persona, and you live an entire life in there. People make a living in there. I think I, I had a friend who um, knew someone who, like, she didn't work work, but she had a job in Second Life and made an income doing that. Like, a, a fairly wow. decent one. She she designed like um, she designed things in Second Life that other people bought. So oh, okay. like she no she didn't work for the company. No, I get that. It's like um, when we played Rust back in the day, people were actually I got quite a few commissions from people wanting like signs and banners and things. Oh yeah yeah for their own little yeah yeah I think she did something like that. She either designed textures or clothing in the game, um, yeah. and people would buy the you know the the texture pattern for whatever they were doing or something like that mm. she made a decent amount of money doing it like more money than she would have made work like I think he he said she was making something like 40 or 50 thousand dollars a year which is that that's an entry level salary at a lot of companies and I guess you probably won't get like tax from that I don't know well yeah I think you, depending so in the US it depends on your state um, like in my state, the poverty level, like the the poverty line, is somewhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars a year, and so anything less than that, you don't get taxed on. So if she was only making thirty or forty thousand, then yeah, she wouldn't have gotten gotten taxed on that if she lived in in my state. Uh, but other states, like the more rural ones, the poverty line is a little bit lower, so you would get taxed above it. I mean. Or you could just live in Texas where they don't have income tax. Do they not? No, Texas is awesome. Oh, Christ. Um, but yeah, Life Simulator is very weird games. Yeah. Um, 
Like the, the VR, what's it called? Uh, VR chat. Yeah, god, that's a weird program. I've never gone on it. No, neither have I. It, it was big for a while. I remember Sam was talking it up for a while, too. Yeah, oh, it's kind of, Sam's kind of game, I think. There was... Um, I'm sorry. Go. Just, just I need to, I need to shout this out because it was. It, I was talking about it beforehand, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm a fairly big fan of Donkey's videos. But one of the thing, one of the things he put out was, um, you know, a thing where he was experimenting with Second Life, and the way he edited the video was he had the advertisement for Second Life, like their trailer, and they're like, experience a new world where you can do blah 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 blah. blah. And they're trying to talk yeah. it up and make it seem very, you know appealing and very mainstream <laughs> and it's interspliced with his experience in the game and it's just awful it's it's nothing like it like they're like you can make an avatar that is just like you in real life or a little bit different and he, it cuts to him looking at and i'm gonna use his exact words here because they're exactly descriptive of what was in front of him is that kermit the frog wearing two katanas smoking a blunt yeah. <laughs> so yes, you can make a very realistic avatar, or you can do something absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, these games attract the uh, more meme-oriented people on the internet. They like. do, and the life sims especially, I think, um, also attract the kind of introvert type person. Weebs, yes. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of anime characters in those games. There is a lot of anime characters in that game, don't get me wrong. Um, but, well, I, I say that like I've actually played these games <laughs> from what I've seen. Yeah. yeah. Um, God. Yeah, I, I like... Yeah, I think <laughs> someone I used to know, their sister met their um, oh, boyfriend on... Second Life, I think it was. Well, and I then mean, they met each other in real life, and then they were like boyfriend in real life. A good, um, a good chunk of the there there is something to be said about that. A good chunk of the people from um, the the Hive server that we're on, um, like they they met on WoW, and I met several of them playing Halo Two on Xbox Live back in the day. Yeah. Uh, so, like, there, there's something to be said for these platforms actually being a good, good place for people to, you know, meet and make a friends. Social conduit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like any other kind of social situation. You know, people used to go out and they'd go to like festivals or fairs or bars or whatever, and that's they they would meet people and be friends, or they'd you know meet people at work and they'd be you know good friends, or they maybe they'd meet a spouse or something like that. People are doing it on video games now. Yeah, but I think games like Halo and Rust and World of Warcraft, you're there because you both have an interest in similar things, right? That's a good point, yeah. Whereas with, yeah. I was about to say Half-Life, uh, Second Life, <laughs> it's, um, you do not want to meet someone on Half-Life. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're probably going to be some kind of a existential zombie. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it seems like you go there when, like, dating websites don't work for you. <laughs> that sounds really harsh. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, um, I mean, you don't have to apologize to me. I, I, have, I have no respect for that game. 
Uh, no, I'm not apologizing. I'm apologizing to people that play those games. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I just don't get it. Like, I understand why people like The Sims because they like furnishing houses and stuff like that. Or killing people in swimming pools. Exactly. Um, but I feel like I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Second Life is just a more in-depth version of The Sims, but all I ever seem to hear about is people going on there to flirt with each other. <laughs> and that's putting it mildly. Yeah, they're... Well, oh God. I mean, it's the internet. That's all I'll yeah. say. I won't expound on that anymore. Anyway, we're, we're, we're kind of... Um, oh, I think, shit, we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We... we we talked for a surprising amount of time about simulators. Like, that was the bulk of this segment. Yeah. Anyway, um, any closing thoughts? Uh, release a new car mechanics sim game. It's been <laughs> three years. Yeah, well, if they Stop do releasing that... releasing these awful other simulators that aren't very good. <laughs> the moment they release one. Oh, where, where did Blue go? I haven't seen him in a month. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. This is going to be the end of segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again momentarily for segment two. I don't know if that got picked up. <laughs> Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on segment two, our media segment. Blue just honked in my ear as like, I have no idea if that's going to make it into the final recording. I think I clicked the button after I did it, so I don't think it's on my end. Oh my god, and it definitely didn't come through on mine. Oh my god, alright. Yeah, media. We didn't do a movie night. Um, no, no we did not. But we have been talking about, well we already know what our next movie is going to be. But Wait, no, 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 no. If we're talking about... Because we promised them something last week, and we're doing Eye of Argon for the last segment. Yeah. Okay, sorry, is this where we were going? I totally hadn't remembered until now what we were doing. Neither did I. Okay, cool. Shall I launch us into it? <laughs> Go for it. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm waiting with bated breath. What the fuck is this? Oh, okay. Well, last week, we you may remember from the media segment... But we were discussing uh, a certain person's review of a certain film. Oh. We're back today. And I think we are ready to review it. Okay, okay, what are we reviewing? Okay, so the Love Actually uh, film review by Lindy West. Oh, so, we're, are we actually, are we, what are we, just reading the whole article? Uh, well, I was just going to take the, the more fun parts and discuss them. Okay, okay, go for it. It's a thing, I actually completely forgot to watch the film, but they'll be describing it anyway, so that's fine. Yeah, I've still never seen it. Uh, so for a reminder... Wait, wait hold on, didn't, this... didn't we read this last week? No, we read, like, the opening... Oh, we just read the opening paragraph. Okay, yeah, yeah it's coming back Yeah, and we spoke about it for, like, ten minutes straight. I swear it's only been a more. week between these podcasts. Yeah. So, but I mean, yes, this person is very angry at Love Actually for being, is the word misogynistic? Uh, I mean... She doesn't like men. Well... Okay. Or if the she... views that this film 
portray. She yes. she's accusing yeah. the film of being misogynistic, but she is being misandristic. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So she she's having a go at like Bill Nye, Liam Neeson, everyone. Um, and Bill I think Nye's the last. Huh? Bill Nye's in this Bill movie? Nye. Apparently. Sorry. May have heard some typing there. I was actually just looking up the movie. Alright, go on, go on. Uh, well, so, I can't... I, yeah. Did, I can't remember if we talked about this part in the um, in the podcast. Uh, she says, Bill Nye and his Technicolor Dream blouse are in the studio recording a shitty, vapid Christmas song in hopes of squeezing a few dollars out of idiots who will pay for any tatty garbage as long as it has a celebrity's name attached. So, this is the kind of level we're talking about here. This person is <coughs> not a happy bunny. No. Um, in my opinion, 90% of Christmas songs are shitty songs anyway. But, that's a matter of opinion. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think... I don't know, tatty garbage, vapid... Flogging a dead horse a bit. A lot of the the sort of Christmas movies you get do tend to be fairly, fairly vapid. I, I will I will say that they tend to just be like happy go lucky, feel good. Like it's it's like a lifetime movie. Yeah, um, and she goes on. She really hates the Christmas song. Text appears on the screen to alert us that it's five weeks before Christmas. Why are you recording Christmas single five weeks before Christmas? This movie is so fucking incompetently made that even the people doing their fake jobs inside the movie are incompetent. <laughs> Jesus. I, I'm sorry, that I actually kind of like that. I like that point, though. Even but the like, people doing their fake jobs are incompetent. What? What? what, what I, I, I don't even I, know. I, I like the line. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with yeah. the statement. I just I, I think it's a clever line. Colin Firth's girlfriend is sick. NBD. What's NBD? Um, Look up NBD quickly. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, NBD, right? Wrong. Turns out she isn't sick with the flu. She's sick with Colin oh. Firth's brother's dongitis. No big deal. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm not cool and down with the kids as much as her. Uh, yeah, Wait. so... Hold on, is she, did, did we just hear that, like, is somebody cheating on somebody? What was that? Yeah, in the film. So, this, uh, there are little bits I've heard about from E. And, yeah, one of the characters, they are off going somewhere, but their wife is like, no, nah, I'm feeling sick. Uh, I, I don't really want to go. So, she stays at home, banging the character's brother instead. Okay? Okay. So basically, uh, it's just right on the intro. This so this character is just a shitty person. Yes, but well, we'll we'll see. So, okay. Colin Firth's girlfriend is sick. No big deal, right? Wrong. Turns out she isn't sick with the flu. She's sick with Colin Firth's brother's dongitis. Not a funny joke. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, that's not yeah. okay. Colin Firth cannot deal, so he runs. Cannot deal. <laughs> Colin Firth cannot deal. So he runs off to France, all sulky, to fucking type a novel on a fucking typewriter in a mansion. Sigh. Alone again. What? 
That's what she says, alright? Let's break this down, alright. So, she's accusing the person who got cheated on of being, and I quote, sulky, uh, sulking off to France to fucking type a novel on a fucking typewriter in a mansion. I, I don't know why she's emphasizing the typewriter. I think that's the least ostentatious thing about that entire, like, setup. It's like, but, like, but yeah, no, you you're right. She, on. <laughs> she does just gloss over what I would call the biggest point there is that this person got cheated on. Also, but, I'm not sure if it's like a gay joke thrown in at the end. What? Like, the sigh? Let me, let me show you the actual wording that she uses. Okay, okay. Um, take a look at this. That's what she says at the end. <laughs> like, is she? I don't think so. I think she's probably making a comment about his accent, probably. Like, alone okay. again. Maybe. Um, okay, then this old French woman shows up at a Chateau de Firth and is like, Here, I found you a lady. I'm literally giving you this lady. Score! Free lady! The lady is named Aurelia and she only speaks Portuguese. Bummy. Hot. And so does her entire family, apparently. Even though all of them live in France, it's irritating. So she's irritated by... She's irritated by immigration. Yes. Um, <laughs> and... So old French woman shows up at the chateau... And it's like, here, I found you a lady, and I'm literally giving you this lady. I, I, right. I don't... I mean, is she, though? I don't... Well, that's the thing, because we haven't seen the film. Yeah, we but haven't like, seen the movie. Like, just... it, I have no idea if this is actually a fair characterization or not. Considering how much popularity this film has gained, I don't think it would be that stupid. So I'm, I'm looking through the screenshots from the movie, and it looks like... Maybe it's... Oh, I think this is the scene she's talking about. It honestly looks like the, the Portuguese lady about... is like a housekeeper. Maybe. Like, like it looks like the guy... So the guy's at this mansion in France. And it I mean, looks... that makes sense why she's there, I guess. Yeah, it looks like the, the Portuguese... I mean, that would also make sense, though. It's like, um, you know, this person, this whole Portuguese family, they wanted to move to France, so they're just going to take whatever job they get, and the job happens to be housekeeper in this case for her. Yeah, it's like, so okay. it's not just like I found your woman. Take the woman. Yeah, no. I'm it's... sure there's some decent <coughs> story behind it. Excuse me. It's like, oh, this person is employed. Uh, Colin Firth falls in love with Aurelia at first sight, establishing love actually's central moral lesson: the less a woman talks, the more lovable she is. That's okay, anything to okay. say about that? Yeah, that's that's another unfair <laughs> characterization. I think that. You do tend to be drawn in by mystique, and if you can't fully understand someone, or if they don't tell you that much or talk that much, then that adds to a bit of mystique and can be alluring. Doesn't matter if you're um, a man or a woman, there's a reason there's the whole strong, silent type, you know, stereotype. Like, yeah. some women find men attractive who are, like, very, you know, terse and, you know, mysterious. Well, she continues to say, none of the women in this movie fucking talk. All of the men in this movie win a woman at the end. This goddamn movie. So, she's kind of... I mean, maybe she's just saying this is what love actually is doing, but it kind of sounds like she's making the women into a prize, like an item. 
Yeah, I, I think it speaks more to the way that this author sees the women in the movie and less how the movie portrays them. Because yeah. even in the most like blatant, like surface level kind of film, there's degrees of interpretation. And oh my god, I, I just okay, go on. Yeah, I'm not gonna go here and rhapsodize a little bit more. The, sorry, I just saw the game the next line. Liam Neeson is bummed out because his wife just died. Are you seriously going to attack a man I, whose wife just died? It's just like, yeah, I would be too. <laughs> this storyline is uncomfortable because just six years after he filmed these scenes, Liam Neeson's real wife actually tragically died. I kind of feel like having to watch Liam Neeson goof his way through this vacant sentimental path is insulting to the memory of his real wife. What? What the, the fuck? fuck? He did this before the real life event happened. And what? She's saying that he's a bad actor now because. Oh my god. It... I don't... What? I, hold oh on. my god, the next line is even worse! Hold on. Let me try to articulate my thoughts on that point, just real quick. A, she's not, like, doing the whole, like, thing that... Separate art from the artist, right? So maybe... Even even then, you gotta realize, like, wh what time you're talking about. It's like, maybe he wouldn't have even done the role if it was after his wife died. But you having that meta-knowledge... She's letting it poison the, the movie. Anyway, go on. This next line is just going to blow that up water. I also kind of feel like Love actually did that on purpose, somehow, using time travel and or necromancy. Full stop. I'm against it. Full stop. What? This is an adult, right? We established last time this is an adult. Yes, this. this is a... Adult. Yeah, fucking hell. I just don't know how to respond to that. That's the most stupid fucking comment of a review that I've just ever seen. I mean, maybe she thinks it's funny? The film produces, what, time travel or necromancy? Yeah, well, it, I think it just it speaks more to what I was just saying. It, that... Like, she's allowing meta-knowledge to kind of influence her interpretation of the movie, and her... That's so fucking dumb. Yeah. Alright, go on. What? what... <sighs> we, we've, we've reached what I think is bedrock, but let's see if we can plumb any deeper. The grief-stricken Liam Neeson calls up Emma Thompson, who I guess is just some woman he knows, relationship never explained, to talk about how sad he is. Emma Thompson is Love Actually's resident female personality haver. What's a haver? Haver? Haver. Oh, it's just, sorry, it's just fucking bad. Yeah, writing. no, it's just bad writing. Okay, go resident on. Resident female person personality haver. Which means she's, that she's totally nice and bland 95% of the time, and then every once in a while she'll say something horribly caustic and inappropriate and out of character. You know, like normal, regular human women, woman is not robot. Wait, what? You know? Like I think normal, regular... she's Go trying on. to make a joke that I think I've heard made better quite a few times. It's like the, um, you know how like in, in PSA advertisements, sometimes people can be fairly robotic? 
And so, right. like, the, the mockery of that is just like, Yes, I am having a normal conversation, human! Right. Um, I think she's trying to say that the, this woman is acting, like, very odd and robotic. That, that, that was my interpretation of it, but who knows. Uh, Emma Thompson tells Liam Neeson that she's obviously terribly concerned that your wife just died, but anyways, by L-Y-L-A-S. Guys, <laughs> okay, hold on, I'll look it up. <laughs> There's so many fucking acronyms in this piece of shit writing. Uh, love I'll, you. I'll I'll talk to you later. Wait. Love L Y L A S. Love you, lots, and uh, such. I, I, I don't know. I'm still looking it up. Love you like a sister. Oh. Wait. I have no Pretty idea. Sure Liam Neeson's a dude. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a. That's actually it. Um, yeah. Um, okay. No. No. Apparently, that is what it means. And love you like it's terribly yeah. concerned that your wife just died. But anyways, by love you like a sister. I've got uh, to go, but I'll talk to you later. Okay, Lilas. I. I don't know. Maybe it's. I think it's. It's probably like. Just oh, like an overused phrase, like lol, or something like that. I guess. Um, later, on. she tells him, Get a grip. People hate sissies, and no one's going to shag you if you cry all the time. I want to know if that's, that's the actual line in the movie. Yeah, I... <laughs> she used quotation marks, so... <laughs> if that's the actual line in the movie, then, okay, we've established another piece of shit character. Uh, oh, she's just terrifically naughty, isn't she? That's the, the writer saying that. Uh, don't worry, though, she'll be punished later for her infernal personality. Okay. Good. Uh, new paragraph. Some fucking guy is running around throwing sandwiches at people. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what the context is of this, but I love it. So, okay, some going. fucking guys running around throwing sandwiches at people and asking female office workers if they want his lovely nuts. It's possible that he says something important, but I couldn't tell you because the music is louder than the dialogue because hashtag competence. Holy shit, did we just hear a legitimate piece of criticism? Yeah, I mean, the music thing, yeah. I don't yeah, know about okay. the yeah, well, yeah, not the nuts, bit, yeah, the but... nuts thing, whatever, but... But yeah, I know. I mean, shitty audio mixing. There we go. An actual critique. Alright, keep going. Yeah. Um, oh, looks like his name is Colin, and he's terribly, terribly oppressed. Because no ladies want to sit on his ginger ween. Oh my god. <laughs> I, uh, and then in brackets she says, Idea, could it possibly be because you wear a shirt that says satisfaction guaranteed? And call complete strangers my future wife in a professional setting, and then whine about not receiving immediate intercourse. Again, I want to see how de facto these quotes are. Yeah, I, I'm too. Although when she uses that description, all I can think: Did you ever watch the anime Inuyasha? Mm, 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 mm. There, there's a priest in it who, like, throughout the entire course of the series, just every uh, woman he meets, it's just like, "Will you bear my children?" Jesus. And just, and he takes it like super seriously. And he he's it's played for, you know, laughs in the series, but he always, you know, he always gets massively rejected. Um, yeah. 
But by the way, tell me when we're coming up to half an hour. By the way, Kaiser, because we're not getting all the way through this. Okay. Well, okay. there's something I did want to talk about that's not okay. this. So let's. We'll just give you a shout as and when. Um. Well, so um, we're we're 20 minutes in. Let's do one more paragraph oh, and then we can. Okay. Or actually, just uh, just go to fast forward to the conclusion. Let's see how this ends. Okay. Right. Going from one tenth of the document to the ten out of tenth. Okay. Uh. Oh. <laughs> I don't think we're, we're <coughs> excuse me. I don't think we're uh, we're really needing to go through the entirety of this thing because if we do, I'm pretty sure my brain will rot right out of my ears. In a painfully fitting finale, Colin, that's the sandwich boy, yeah. returns from America with the woman he got. He literally brings her back to England with him like a fucking airport souvenir. But don't worry, Tony. He imported an object with no agency for you too. Huh? Here, put your mouth on it. He imported an object with no Did agency. Did he bring back a dildo? I think he brought back another woman and just gave it to a guy by the sounds of it. I mean, good on him. I hate and people that's... that go on vacation and don't bring back anything for their friends and family. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be awkward with the relatives. But I think that 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 kind of like that statement kind of just encapsulates this person's entire like view on this movie. They went into watching it with just a completely disingenuous like perspective. They were like, "I am going to look at all of these characters in the most surface level, vapid, disgusting way possible." She even defines one of the. I'm just scrolling up, look through like catchwords, right? She describes one of the characters purely as the fat daughter. Yeah, like, I think... I, I said this last week, but I think this speaks more to the person writing the article than to the movie itself. Because... Ow! Oh, ow, ow, ow. Sorry, my, I got a cramp in my shoulder. Um, she, like... She describes routinely all of the women as objects any sort of bad thing that happens to people like she just is very dismissive of oh your wife died oh you got cheated on like i just she just takes the least generous interpretation possible and goes with that like Jesus. What's what's the word? It's not that you know this person fell in love in America and his you know his wife wanted to go back with him to England so they could live out their lives together. It's that oh you brought back a woman as a souvenir. What? It just ah fuck. All right, that's that's all I have to say. Yeah, God, there's so many like fat jokes and stuff I'm reading through in this, and it's kind of disgusting. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yes, let's move on to a more positive topic. Yeah, that's... Well, I mean, just to, to round that off, I guess. Um, I think it's great to review films, even to have, like, not necessarily say pod positive things about them. I mean, the, the point she made about the music being too loud for the yeah. um, speaking. Like, I get that. That is a very fair comment. I yeah. haven't seen the actual scene, so I don't know if she's just nitpicking but that is good feedback yeah and and that's i think that's that's another takeaway and is that she did have legitimate critiques buried in there but it was buried under layers and layers and layers of 
bitterness and just prejudice. Yeah, really. So, uh, but yes. Anyway, let's move on to a happier subject. It's one of like, but to give another um, perspective, uh, critical drinker. It's one of the reasons, that even the film reviews that he do, does that, like of things he hates. Yeah. He like he'll occasionally take like a cheap jab at them if they've done something stupid. Uh, which she tries to do throughout that article, and sometimes they land, but most of the time they don't. But the primary, like, chunk of his videos are legitimate criticisms when, when they're negative. It's like, this is all the things this movie does wrong, and peppered throughout that are him, you know, making fun of it. This mm -hmm. one was just 90% mockery, and peppered throughout the mockery, and, you know, poor characterizations were a little bit of critique it's just yeah. it was a blog I, I think maybe we're reading too much into this it's not a legitimate like critique or review it's a blog it's yeah <laughs> on a more positive note talking about media that I do like um, so I've, I've talked about it before but I'm I really enjoy playing uh, visual novels uh, and have very much enjoyed them in the past and sunk an embarrassing amount of time into them. Uh, a lot of visual novels tend to be fairly tawdry and a bit um, scandalous, I guess. Is that the right word? Not scandalous. Um, they show a bit of thigh. Yeah. A lot of the, the ones that are out, but those are kind of like the dime a dozen cheaper ones. There are some, like, truly amazing pieces of storytelling um, in them. In in some of them, I should say. And you really have to dig through a lot of the crap to... Um, there's actually a, a website similar to IMDb called VNDB, Visual Novel Database. Um, and you know, people can write reviews and rate them and stuff like that. And um, that's kind of where uh, we... Uh, back in college, uh, my roommate and I like were really into playing uh, through them. We, we got into them with this one uh, clan ad. We'd seen the anime and found out there was a visual novel. And the it was just so good. Like, our, our roommates lost track of us. We just didn't come out of our rooms for about 48 hours. Just set, not even talking to each other. We were just in the same room. Not even looking at each other. Playing the same game for fucking just 48 hours. Yeah. Um... Was, I mean, it was a lot like what's been happening with us in uh, Sir Bronte, because yeah. it's just the story <laughs> sucked us in, and we just had to keep playing. Yeah. One that is a bit different, that I just... I, last night, I stayed up later than I wanted to, because I started reading through it again, and I'm just like... I was, I'm just doing... I'll, like, I'll just want to do the intro again, I'll, I'll read it for a half hour, and then I'll go to bed. An hour and a half later, I was like, okay, I have to go to sleep. <laughs> um, it, so the game is called Muv Love, which is already a weird title. Yeah. Um, the f How do you spell it? M-U-V-L-U-V. -U so it's a three-part game. And the first part of the game is, like, just the most generic romantic comedy visual novel you could picture picture like a generic japanese rom-com high school yeah, yeah high school drama and all that stuff that's it for the first like 15 hours 
Um, and you can beat that game relatively quickly. Then there's a second part called Move Love Unlimited, where you your character wakes up, go to school, and whatever, but he goes outside and there's just wreckage everywhere. And he finds his school is actually like a UN army base. And which is weird because the UN didn't have an army. Um, he goes in there and he finds out he somehow ended up in an alternate timeline where aliens invaded the Earth in like the 70s and there's only like a billion people left because everyone else got wiped out. Um, and it's him, it, it's still kind of a romantic comedy, but there's more serious elements to it as he tries to go from this doughy high school kid into like a trained soldier. Um... And all the people he knew in the other world are there, and he still knows aspects of them, but in this timeline, they're soldiers. And so, it's it's weird going through that. But then, if you get through that, now you're about 30 hours in, because you've played through the first two. Which, one is a generic rom-com, and the other one is kind of a, a, like a, a rom-com with a sci-fi twist. Then you get to Move Love Alternative. Which is an absolute behemoth of a game. It's to get through the entire thing, and if you read it at a good pace, it's going to take you at least 120 hours. It is an enormous game, and I say game. It's it's not really a game. There isn't gameplay to it. You it's standard visual novel stuff. You get to branching path, and you make a choice. Um, and it is like absolutely amazing the like there's extremely good character development there's drama and intrigue and all this other stuff and um yeah i just i but the thing is i i have i hesitate to recommend it i'm actually going to read something because i was talking to um my friend about it. the only other person i know who's played it uh i was talking to him about it and his quote was this the problem I have with recommending that game to people is that without playing um, Extra slash Unlimited, Alternative isn't nearly as powerful. But at the same time, Extra is kind of um, Extra is kind of medicine, and is like a thirty-hour commitment. Um, and I said, yeah, <laughs> the, the, this is kind of a bad pitch. No, trust me. Play this utterly generic rom-com and this sci-fi spin-off first. Then you'll really love this 120-hour behemoth. Jeez. So it does sound like a lot of commitment. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a very. That's why I was. I. I have, I've played through the entire thing twice. Um, yeah. And it was five years apart both times. I, I played it through it once in college, then once in like 2014 or 2015. I think 2014. And then I played through it. I, well, I just I haven't touched it since until now, because I know that the story is good enough and the characters are good enough that it's going to suck me in if I start playing it again. And that's exactly what happened last night. I just I couldn't stop playing it. Um, Jeez. It, visual novels have a a unique storytelling element to them, like they don't. They're partially visual. They're, they're closer to books than they are to games or movies. But they... What am I trying to say? They're closer to books than they are to movies, 
but because they have that visual element, they don't have to spend as much time on descriptive language. You don't have to describe a person's facial expression because they can just see it on the screen. So there's more time to do like internal monologue and dialogue and character development. And this game is an extremely slow boil. I, I just thinking about all the things that happen in it and all the there there's about 60 or 70 hours into the game there's a character death and it's a character that you have spent not one not two but three well two and a half games and essentially 90 hours with so you you've known this character and you've gotten to like see them in all these different circumstances and then they're murdered in a fairly gruesome fashion right in front yeah, of you yeah just looked at something called Chomp mm. from Marvel Love and that is pretty gory. There's there's some pretty like intense so it but that's the the thing that fascinated I think makes the series kind of compelling is that it it evolved like this. From utterly generic romantic comedy to kind of goofy sci-fi spin-off and now it's like a very serious like um sci-fi drama and it's all within the same continuity like it's the same character going through these things it's the same person from beginning to end and it's it's a linear story it's not like you know you're there there's no divulging parts no. yeah exactly like you're the character in the game is going through this journey with you as you're reading through it um I don't know if I'm necessarily doing all of this justice, but it just, it's one of my favorite examples of really good storytelling, but it's such a slow boil, it takes you, oh, you, you really have to commit yourself to going through all of it to actually, you know, get the payoff that it, that it actually, uh, you know, can have. Um, all right. Anyway, I, I don't want to go... <laughs> <coughs> That's what you've been planned. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to go too too crazy in that. Um, yeah, we are coming up on time. But any okay. any thoughts on that giant um, exposition dump that I just had there? It looks like a Gundam game there, with yeah. aliens and anime girls. Yeah. So all I'm of those sure elements are in it. Fucking love it. <laughs> all, yeah, all of those elements are in the game. Yeah. Wait, has he played it? Has Yi played it? No, well, there's no actual, like, Gundam combat. And I don't think Yi has. No. Oh, okay. I, don't think I just Yi's... saw a picture with a Gundam in it, and so I was like, hmm? Yeah, there's, there's no actual, like, combat or gameplay. It's strictly a visual novel, where you're the only interaction. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, like, Gundam, the... he watches the fucking comic... Not comic. Anime? Yes. Yeah. So, I don't know. Again, I don't think it's really his kind of game, mm. but it does. Maybe he he might like because they did do an anime spinoff. Um, he might like that. Right. I mean, it practically is an anime. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I think um, that's that's probably a decent place to end. Alrighty. Uh, and uh, yep, we are now going to move on to more reading aloud. Which I know God, you're looking reading. forward to. Uh, we're going to continue the Eye of Argon, which we started like 20 podcasts ago. Um, but yeah, we're, we're getting a little bit, or we're getting back to it. So cool. Look forward That's to that. Cool. All right, 
is the end of uh, segment two of the TMCJ podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening and stay tuned for segment three. Zero. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. <laughs> I think I say go normally. God, all right. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to listen back to the old recordings to figure this out. <laughs> Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on segment three, uh, our wild card segment, which this week we are returning to a classic that we uh, haven't really picked up in yeah quite a while. I think it was like podcast thirteen that we did this, right? Which Jesus. would have been twenty podcasts ago. Yeah, and we said we back then that we wanted to continue it, and we never really, whew, we never yeah, really got back to it. Yeah, I mean, this is just going to be the week of let's fuck up Blue's voice. Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> okay, um, so uh, you have the PDF open. Yep, I got the PDF open. In, in just a, a quick reminder of the rules of this game. So this is the Eye of Argon is a short story written by a one Jim Thighs who it was from a magazine like the seventies and it was like his fantasy fan fiction essentially just made up a character named Grignar the Barbarian, <clears throat> and it became it was almost completely forgotten. But somebody had an old copy of this magazine and it just became famous as one of the worst stories ever written uh partially because he uses you know why use one adjective when 35 will do and also because it was littered with spelling mistake and weird descriptions and poor writing decisions um which again he was 16 when he wrote this but it's still hilarious to read it became a sort of game uh the rules of the game being if you finish a page, you trade off between people, and if you laugh, you trade off in between people, or if you screw up the the reading, like, you read what word should have been there instead of what he actually wrote, which, with all the spelling mistakes, it makes it kind of funny. <clears throat> okay, but should we, um, I don't know, when it comes to, like, two and three letter words, I feel like that's a pass. Yeah, if it's... But if it's like a word like um, I can already slow and you say I, I can already contented. see one. The very first sentence is um, has a word that it, it should read stature, but he wrote statue. Oh, okay, gotcha. So like something like that. If we if we read <coughs> the sentence and then say stature, I'm very sorry. <laughs> that's all right. It's all right. Um, then I think we pass it off. Oh. So. And there's there's okay. an element of normally when you're playing this there'd be someone who is like kind of the arbiter of these decisions, but I'll, I'll I think we can We're fair I think yeah we can use our own judgment and just go like okay yeah. yeah you fucked that one up trade off to me or something like that. So we're going from page nine right? Yes, and I will start 12. off in the interest of protecting your voice. Okay, I was gonna say y'all roll for it. <laughs> no, I got this. <clears throat> The prince regained his statue, then spoke to the soldiers surrounding Grigner, his face conforming to an ugly expression of sadistic humor. Take this uncouth heathen to the vault of misery, and be sure that his agonies are long and drawn out before death can release him. As you wish, sire, your command shall be heeded immediately, answered the soldiers on the right of Grigner as he stared into the barbarian's seemingly unaffected face. 
The advisor seated in the back of the noble slowly rose and advanced to the side of his master, motioning to the wenches seated at his sides to remove themselves. He lowered his head and whispered to the noble, Eminence, the punishment you have decreed will cause much misery to this scum, yet it will last only a short time, then release him to the land beyond the suffering of the human body. Why not mellow him in one of your subterranean vaults for a few days, then send him to life labor in one of your buried mines? As opposed to those mines on the surface. Yep. To one such as he, a life spent in... Con in the confinement of the Stygian pits will be an infinitely more appropriate and lasting torture. Oh my god, that was a sentence. The noble... I mean, you did technically trip. I did. Do you want to switch off? Uh, sure, I'll switch on. Yeah, yeah go for it. <clears throat> the noble cupped his drooping double chin in the folds of his brimming palm, meditating for a moment upon the rationality of the counselor's words then raised his shaggy brown eyebrows and turned toward the advisor, eyes aglow. As always, Agathend, you speak with great wisdom. Your words ring with great knowledge concerning the nature of one such as he. Saith the king. He's a king now. The noble turned toward the prisoner with a noticeable shimmer reflecting in his frog-like eyes and his lips contorting to a greasy grin. I have decided to void my previous decree. The prisoner shall be removed to one of the palace's underground vaults. There he shall stay until I have decided that he is sufficiently simmered, whereupon he is to be allowed to spend the remainder of his days at labor in one of my mines. I did kind of trip there. Yeah, with whereupon. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll take back over. <laughs> I was curious how you were going to pronounce Agavand. Yeah, that, I kind of paused there, but I think I managed to keep it going. Um, yeah. The other thing, the something else was um, weird about it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Also, the, the noble... The, the, the noble's title keeps changing. He was a king at one point during that paragraph. Well, kings are noble. That's true. It's technically true. <clears throat> Upon hearing this, Grignar realized that his fate would be far less merciful than death to one such as he who is used to roaming the countryside at will. A life of confinement would be more than his body and mind could stand up to. This type of life would be immeasurably worse than death. I shall never understand the ways of your twisted civilization. I simply no. defend... What? What? I shall never understand the ways if your oh, twisted fuck. civilization... Yeah, I did it, yeah. I should never understand the, the ways if you're twisted civilization. Alright, you can take over. I simply defend my honor and am condemned to life confinement by a pig who sits on his royal ass, wooing whores, and knows nothing of the affairs of the land he imagines to rule, lectures Grigner. Oh. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> lectures Grigner? Lectures Grigner? <laughs> Why is, is, that, that, is that? I feel like that's kind of a, a fuck up from me. <laughs> is that a question? Also, I, the, the first time I ever heard somebody do one of these uh, games uh, years yeah. ago, the, the there was a point made. Wooing whores? Isn't the point of whores that you don't have to woo them? Um. 
I mean... No, 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 no. The whore is the one who is wooing. By a pig who sits on his royal ass-wooing whores. Wait. Is he sitting on the horse? <laughs> I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll, I'll continue from, uh, from, from there. Um... Enough of this. Away with the slap. <laughs> there we go. That's cancelled. No, no, no. God damn. What is this? Enough like? of this. Away with the slap before I lose my control. No, no. Loose my control. Oh, fuck. You're right. Damn. It's not loose. You. It's loose. Alright, you gotta do that sentence again. That sentence is a fucking landmine. Enough of this. Away with the slap before I loose my control. Seeing the peril of his position, Grignar searched for an opening. Crushing prudence to the sward, he plowed into the soldier at his left arm, taking hold of his sword, not sward, and bounding to the dais, supporting the prince before the startled guards could regain their composure. Af Agafund. Shit. Ah, he fucks it! Goddamn, okay, <laughs> keep going. We haven't even made it through one page yet. No, I know. Agathon leaped Grigner and his sire, but found a sword blade permeating the length of his ribs before he could loose his weapon. The counselor slumped to his knees as Grigner slid his crimsoned blade from Agathon's ribcage. The fat prince stood undulating in unsurmountable fear before the edge of the fiery maned comet. His flabs of jellied blubber pulsating to and fro in ripples of flowing terror. Fuck. Where is your wisdom and power now, your majesty? growled Grigner. The prince went rigid as Grigner discerned him glazing over his shoulder. He slivered to note the cause of the noble's attention, raised his sword over his head, and prepared to leash a vicious downward cleft but fell short as the haft of a steel-rhymed pike clashed against his unguarded skull. Then blackness and solitude, silence enshrouding, an ever-peaceful reend supreme. There were so many misspelled words in that. that was I am so... proud of myself. Yeah, you, you held it together pretty well. <laughs> After I said he slived, I heard the smallest chuckle from you, and that almost knocked me off. I could I was trying so hard not to laugh. Uh, oh, man. Did, uh, <coughs> do, do, do I get no, you, to keep yeah, going? You, or? you keep going. Yeah, you didn't screw okay. anything up. Before me, Sarah. Before me, as always. Ha, 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 ha. Nobly cackled. <laughs> Nobly cackled. <laughs> nah, I fucked that. Yeah. <clears throat> Alright, so this is this is the next section of the story. We're at, we're at section mm. three. Also, I love the little drawing of the noble over here. Yes. God. Like, the one in the page above. Oh, two pages above. Not arguably all that bad. Yeah, yeah. But this one is fucking awful. <laughs> it's like, if, um, if Jar Jar Binks was a fat man smoking a blunt, Whoa, Jar Jar's far more handsome than that. Well, yeah, exactly. This is, this is after he let himself go. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm not thinking of Jar Jar Binks, I'm thinking of Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Alright. Consciousness returned to Grignir in 
Digmatic pools as his mind gradually cleared of the cobwebs cluttering its inner recesses. Yet the Stygian cloud of charcoal... There's a dash in that word. Ebony remained. No, no, no. You put dashes when you... Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I know. It's just it's because it was split. Okay. Yeah, I was just noting that that's why I hesitated. Um, right. Ebony remained. An incompatible shield of blackness enhanced by the bleak absence of sound. Grigner's muddled brain reeled from the shock of the blow he had received to the base of his skull. The events leading to his predicament were slow to filter back to him. He dickered with the notion that he was dead and had descended or sunk, however, it may be to the shadowed land beyond the aperture nope. of the grave. God damn nope. it. Aperture killed me. No, 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 no. That's not what you fucked up. What did I fuck up? Land beyond the, the aperture. Oh, fuck. There's two thus there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh. Land beyond the the aperture of the grave, but rejected this hypothesis when his memory sifted back within his grips. This was not the land of the dead, it was something infinitely more the precarious than anything the grave could offer. Alright, you see what I did there? Yeah, I did. So yeah. don't understand what that is. Yeah, there's just a the in the middle of the page. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, not in line. Um, death promised an infinity of peace, not the finite misery of an inactive life of confined torture, forever concealed from the life-bearing shafts of the beloved rising sun. The orb that had been taken for granted, yet now cherished above all else. To be forever refused further, glimpses of the snow, capped summits of the land of his birth, Never again to witness the thrill of plundering unexplored lands beyond the crest of a bleeding horizon, and perhaps worst of all, the denial to ever encompass the lustful excitement of caressing the naked curves of the body of a trim yuned wench. I, I would like to say you did miss a word. Oh, what was, was it? The denial to ever again encompass the lustful excitement. You skipped again. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Um... There were a lot of points in that. I was like, my voice was pitching itself because it sounded like it was coming to the end of a sentence. And then it just kept and then going. the sentence didn't end. So I was like, and then, and then, and then. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just keeps going. It the, did. But this is, the, the guy clearly had a thesaurus, and he just, he really wanted to use the it. The guy clearly <clears throat> was a thesaurus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, the, the Jim Thighs, he missed his calling writing a thesaurus. Yeah. Um... Yeah, also, I like the, the naked curves of the body of a trim yund wench. Yeah, I call that one. Oh my god. Alright. This was indeed one of the buried chasms of hell concealed within the inner depths of the palace's de despised interior. A fearful ebony chamber devised to drive to the brinks of insanity the minds of the unfortunately condemned through the inept solitude of a limbo of listless dreary nope. silence. Wait, what did I fuck up? Through the inept. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn, I keep correcting his fucking spelling mistakes. I know, I know. And if, if it was like... If it was... A normal word, and you get the like... The, yeah. Like... When you said at the beginning, chasms, hmm. I was like, ooh, 
It's chasm. Yeah, like, I just, it's a normal I'm, word, so that's like it's fine. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I, I missed. Yeah. I, yeah, that was just that was me. If it's his and... specific fuck up, I'm gonna call you on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Through the inept solitude of a limbo of listless, dreary silence, a tightly wrung elliptical circle or torches cast their wavering shafts, prancing morbidly over the smooth surface of a rectangular, rigid altar. Expertly chiselled forms of grotesque gargoyles graced the oblique rim, protuberating the length of the grim orifice of death. Starting... Nope, no, staring. Staring. The, the, protuberating, that, I got that word right. She, that is one hell of a sentence. This, this one sentence goes on for three and a half lines. Jesus. What the fuck? Alright, I'll, I'll pick up from... Is that a real word or not? Protuberating? I think... Well, I, I don't, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I'm gonna check. <laughs> Protuberances? Protru... Yeah, no, protuberating isn't... Oh my god. <laughs> what is protuberance in biology? It's a nice word. I like it. I think it yeah. should be a word. I like the but... word, but it's just... <laughs> oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> Alright. Let me take the second half of this gigantic sentence. Uh, staring forever ahead into the nothingness in complete ignorance of the bloody rites enacted in their presence. Brown flaking stains decorated the golden surface of the ridge surrounding the altar, which banked to a small slit at the lower right-hand corner of the altar. The slit stood above a crudely protruding pail, nope. which had... Wait, what did I fuck up? <clears throat> oh, banked. Protruding. Oh, wait, what did I say? What? Where, where? The slit pounded. stood above a crudely... Yeah. Crudely pounding, pounded pail? Oh, pounded <laughs> pail, okay. God damn it. You said protruding. Did I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was quite different. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> now I'm just, I'm making up my own words. I just, I'm, I'm rewriting his story. I'm going past yeah. the spelling mistakes. The slit stood above a crudely pounding pail, which had several silver meshed chalices hanging at its sides. Dangling at the rim off of golden. Oh my god, no, what? Wait. <laughs> uh, he didn't put a space there. And so I was like, rim off. But then it just made me laugh because nope. that sounds like a hilarious word. <laughs> it really does. Alright. <laughs> Dangling at the rim off golden mallet, the handle of which was engraved with images of twisted faces and grooved. Fuck. Groved. I'll, I'll let you get away with that because okay. it is. Could... Yeah. Groved at its far end with slots designed for a snug hand grip. The head of the mallet was slightly larger than a clenched fist and shaped into a smooth oval mass. Encircling the marble altar was a congregation of leering shaman, eerie chants of a bygone age originating unknown eons before the memory of man were being uttered from the buried recesses of the acolyte's deep lings. What was that? I didn't laugh at the sentence, I laughed afterwards. No, you're fine, you're fine. Or <laughs> orange paint was smeared in generous globules over the tops of the priest's wrinkled shape. Scalps, goddammit, you're making me laugh. Yeah, entirely my fault. Again, you're fine. It was the well, deep pronunciation that I got, that got me. 
Oh my god. Oh shit. <laughs> While golden rings projected from the lobes of their pink ears, ornate robes of luskier purple satin enclosed their bulging torsos attached around their waists with silk fuck. Nope. Yeah. Silvered. That's right. But silvered silk lashes latched with ebony buckles in the shape of morose, misshaped skulls. Dangling around their necks were oval-fashioned medallions held by thin gold chains, featuring in their centers blood-red rubies, which resembled crimson fetish eyeballs. I know rubies... I mean, actually, that is the way you spell rubies. (laughs) No, it's not. It's B-I-E-S, right? Yeah, it would. It would be... R-U-B-I-E-S. I, I saw that it was a mistake, but I would still pronounce it the same way. Yeah, 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 that's fair. <laughs> Blood <No>. red rubbies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, God. Cushioning their bare feet were plush red felt slippers with pointed golden spikes projecting from their tips. Situated in front of the altar and directly adjacent to the copper pail was a massive jade idol, a misshaped hideous bus of the shaman's pagan deity. <laughs> deity. Yeah, I think he meant deity, but yeah. <laughs> it's like a it's like a, a god of of dieting. Oh god. Uh, the chevron green idol was placed in a sitting posture on an ornately carved golden throne raised upon a round divori plated dais. It bulging arms and webbed hands resting on the padded arms of the seat. Its head was entwined in golden snake-like coils hanging over its oblong ears, which tapered off to thin hollow points. Its nose was a bulging triangular mass sunken in at its sides with top gaping nostrils. Dramatic beneath the nostrils was a twisted shaggy-lipped mouth giving the impression of a slovering, sadistic grimace. Did we just, like, describe his face between the lower eye and the chin? That was like, an, yeah, it was, was an that entire, whole paragraph. it was an entire paragraph just talking about, like... His fucking nose. <laughs> his nose and his mouth. That's what we got out of that. That, that section was longer than the section where Grignar stabbed the dude. <laughs> At the foot of the heathen deity, a slender, pale-faced female, naked but for a long... Ah, shit, I don't know why I said long. That's just (laughs) long's on the next line down. It is, yeah. Alright, here we go. (sighs) Oh my god, I don't know why. I feel like there's something caught in my throat. throat) Pale-faced female, naked but for... Fuck. No, wait, that was right. Okay. Naked yeah, but right. for a golden jeweled harness enshrouding her huge... Oh, you'll say, no, 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 all right, I'm taking back. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was expecting that word to be misspelled. That was the problem. I was expecting it to be misspelled. Yeah. <laughs> Pale-faced female, naked but for a golden jeweled harness enshrouding her huge outcropping breasts, supporting long silver laces which extended to her thigh stood before the pearl-white field with noticeable shivers travelling up and down the length of her exquisitely moulded body. 
Her delicate lips trembled beneath soft, narrow hands as she attempted to conceal herself from the piercing stare of the ambivalent idol. <sighs> that was a hard one. Yeah. I don't also, even know where we are. Like, I don't know what's happening in the story. Know, on, I'm just trying so hard to read. <laughs> on on the scale of, like, a good descriptor or a bad descriptor, where would you put describing breasts as outcropping? <laughs> I don't think I've ever described, like, you know, I, I might say they're voluptuous, that they're, you know, maybe perky. I don't think I would ever use the word outcropping to describe <laughs> a woman's breasts. Man, look at her crags. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, I just I look at it and I think of Mount, Mount Rushmore. Like, what? Yeah. what? But but overhang on those. Whew. Yeah, no, let's go, let's go bouldering. I need to go to the rock climbing gym. Outcropping. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, right. right Glaring directly down towards her was the stony, <clears throat> cycloptic face of the bloated deity. Gaping from its single obling socket was scintillating many fauceted scarlet emerald, a brilliant gem seeming to possess a life all of its own, a priceless gleaming stone capable of domineering the wealth of conquering empires, the Eye of Argon. Title drop. Bam! Also, uh, yeah, I think he meant faceted, but he wrote fauceted. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Whew. What was it? The, the, one of the words was really fucking... Um, yeah, I, yeah. There was, was one... Obling. You, yeah, you yeah. Sing, obling socket. Yeah. Was scintillating. God. Um, <coughs> all knowledge of measuring time had escaped Grigner. When a person is deprived of the sun, moon, and stars, he loses all conception of time as he had previously understood it. It seemed as if years had passed if time were being measured by terms of misery and mental anguish, yet he estimated that his stay had only been a few days in length. He was slept three times and had been fed five times since his awakening in the crypt. However, when the actions of the body are restricted, its needs are also affected. The need for nourishment and slumber are directly proportional to the functions the body has performed meaning that when free and active Grigner may become hungry every six hours and witness the desire for sleep every 15 hours, whereas in his present condition he may encounter the need for food every 10 hours and the want for rest every 20 hours, all methods he had been... Nope. Fuck. Also, when did this become a medical textbook? Right? This is harder to read than code. <laughs> oh my god, alright. <clears throat> <clears throat> All methods he had before depended upon were extinct in the dismal pit. Hence, he may have been imprisoned for ten minutes or ten years. He did not know, resulting in a disheartened emotion deep within his being. I'm sorry. No, you you just said you you went through that whole description, and now you're like ten minutes or ten years. Bullshit. It's been at most a week. Like I don't even know what the time. Like I said, I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> I think so. I, the, the 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 non sequitur to talk about the the outcropping breasts next to the shaman temple had nothing to do with Grigner. Like no, he, he got put in a jail place. cell, and we just took a break to talk about some. <laughs> Hang on, let me let me quickly. 
Yeah. Uh, What's up? I'm reading through the the. I'm speed reading the beginning of chapter three to work out what it's actually talking about, <laughs> and it literally does not say. Uh, it's an altar with a shaman and a woman. But it doesn't say who they are, why they're there, or where they are. She does have outcropping breasts, though. <laughs> thank, thank you for reminding me, guys. I almost <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. All right, we're, we're actually coming close to time on this segment. Um, okay, we'll do the last of this yeah, page, I guess. Yeah, let's finish off this. We'll, we'll finish off the page, and then... All right. <clears throat> The food, if you can honor the moldering lumps of fetid mush to that extent, was borne to him by two guards who opened a portal at the top of his enclosure and shoved it to him in wooden bowls, retrieving the food and water bowls from his previous meal at the same time, after which they threw back the bolts on the iron latch and returned to their other duties. Since deprived of all other means of nourishment, Grignar was impelled to eat the tainted slop in order to ward off the pangs of starvation, though as he stuffed it into his mouth with his filthy fingers and struggled to force it down his throat, he imagined it was that which had been spurned by the hounds stationed at the various segments of the palace. That was a rough one. It was it was quite jittery, but you know what? You got through it. And yeah. you did also add a word in at one point. Oh, did I? It was the in a place that oh, okay. it didn't matter if you did or didn't. <clears throat> there was little in the barren vault that could occupy his body or mind. He had paced... Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was not expecting, paced? I, I was not expecting paced. I was expecting some, a completely Man, different the word. pacing of this book is very strange, isn't it? <laughs> There's so many parts when reading through this where I feel like I'm just... I can imagine like a three-car pileup on the highway. Just like all of a sudden my expectations meet with what's actually on the page and it just fucking collides. Yeah, it's quite often when there's a lot of short words, you're like clearly checking them that they're correct, and yeah. so you slow down at the shorter words like it and two. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let you keep going. <laughs> was... Okay. He had paced out the length and width of the enclosure time and time again, and tested every granite slab with consisted oh which sorry which consisted the walls of the prison in hopes of finding a hidden passage to freedom all of which was to no avail, other than to keep him busy and distract his mind from wandering to thoughts of what he believed was his future. That was a five-line sentence. It was, but you did fuck up one of the words real badly, and so I'm going to take over. <laughs> okay, yep, you're on. He had memorized the number of strides from one end to the other of the cell, and knew the exact number of slabs which made up the bleak dungeon. Numerous schemes were introduced and alternatively discarded in turn as they succored to unravel to him no means of escape, which stood the slightest chance of success. Anguish continued to mount as his means of occupation were rapidly exhaust to id. 
<laughs> I th- good on you for getting that right. He did. It's exhaust space T dash Ed. That is how it's written on the. Allowed to laugh. That is how it's written on the page. Okay. Suddenly, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 you. Keep going. Suddenly, without no tithe, he was rooted from his contemplations as he detected a faint scratching sound at the end of the crypt opposite him. The sound seemed to be caused by something trying to scrape away at the granite blocks the floor of the enclosure consisted of. The sandy scratching of something like an animal's claws. Grigner gradually groped his way to the end of the vault, carefully feeling his way along with his hands ahead of him. When a few inches from the wall, a loud penetrating squeal and the scampering of small padded feet reverberated from the walls of the roughly hewn chamber. I power fucking went yeah, through that. I, I will say that was that was good. Like that was just also I, <laughs> suddenly without no tithe got me. Yeah. <laughs> like I saw it was really that's why I kind of like started getting I was like, no. Start again. Okay. Alright, so uh, uh, you're on you're on Grigner through, right? Yeah. Okay. Grigner threw his hands up to shield his face and flung himself backwards upon his buttocks. <laughs> oh my god, it's hailing outside. Sorry. <laughs> Some like noise. Holy shit. Can you hear that? No, it's not coming through the mic. Well it it might it's... when you send me like the, the raw audio, but like it's not coming through Discord. <laughs> Christ. Um a fuzzy form bounded to his hairy chest, burying its talons in his flesh while gnashing towards his throat with its grinding white teeth its sour, fetid breath scorching the squirming barbarian's dilating nostrils. Grigner grappled with the lashing flexor muscles of the repugnant body of a gargantuan, brown-hided rat, striving to hold its razor teeth from his juicy jugular as its beady grey organs of sight glazed into the flaring emeralds of its play- prey. Fuck, I said play! No, well, I mean, but that's that's the end of the page, so that's where stuff it, but that oh was good. God. I mean, there was a lot of, you had to say the body of a gargantuan brown-hided rat. Yeah. <laughs> I was halfway through the word when I noticed that it was fucked up, and I was like, Ooh. Also, can we talk about, like, how roundabout this is a way to say eyes? And it's beady gray organs of sight. Yeah, um, I think he's used the word emeralds as a descriptive. Like, he uses that a lot in particular. Yeah, there's um, a lot of gemstone. Uh, emerald. So, there are... He uses emerald five times, apparently, in this. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I thought it was more than that. Let me check, like, ruby or something. Flaring emeralds of its play. Fuck, I said one. play, too. Sapphire's not in it, or he spelt it incorrectly. Uh, what other gemstones are there? I thought he used Sapphire once, early on in the story, when he was, like... Jade is six times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Ruby. Did you check Ruby? Uh, that was once. Okay. Um, Diamond? None. Uh, I love how we're just <laughs> searching for random ge- Opals, maybe? Ooh. No, none of them, but he had Jade six times, so it was, like, a good shout. Alright. Maybe Jim Thighs is Chinese. <laughs> you said like we can just go and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I'm not. It's not like. Um, I mean, it it is a stereotype, but um, in in ancient China, I think like jade was prized more highly than gold in a lot of cases. 
<laughs> so, a, a fun thing about F3 is that it shows how many times you use certain words. Yeah. And it also, which also kind of encapsulates whether or not he actually knows the spelling and he fucks it up once, or if he just thinks the word is spelled that way. Yeah, like, he has used deity six times, <laughs> and it's it's it, for for reference. He's spelling deity d i e t y, and yeah, he's looking deity. for deity, which is d e i t y. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I'm just looking at words now. He only uses gargantuan once. <laughs> Gargantuan. I, I wish he that had become a vocab. No, look up Stygian. He uses Stygian like oh, 50 yeah, times yeah. of this. Five times. Well, he also misspells it quite a few times. Yeah, what was the, the descriptive word for the tits? Oh, uh... Outcropping? I think. <laughs> outcropping. Or, here, hold on, let me, let me find it. Yeah, 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 it is outcropping, but he only uses it once. I mean... I... It's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience to uh, encounter a woman who has outcropping tits. Yeah. Oh, the hail stopped. What a weird fucking freak shower. Anyway, um, sorry. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, this is this is going to be the end. So, um, yep, this has been another uh, little Eye of Archon reading. We've made it further. We, we got through another four pages, it looks like. So that, that seems to be the length that we can get through during one of these segments. So, so yeah. maybe in another like quarter of a year, we'll come back and read more. But uh, for now, this is it. I mean, let us know if yeah. you enjoyed this. I mean, we we certainly have a lot of fun reading it, obviously. But I mean, fun, Absolutely. quote unquote. Oh God! All right. Uh, yeah, I hope everyone who's listening has enjoyed it today. And unless you've got nothing to say, Kaiser. Well, I do, actually. Oh, okay, I you have do. the well, outro. Then I'll shut up. <laughs> Um, this is going to be the end of the TMCJ podcast, the end of episode 33. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a great week. <laughs>